the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Yes, indeed. Time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. And here he is, our financial and retirement expert in studio, Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I'm enjoying this. uh, I'm enjoying the day. I mean, it's a good day so far. I mean, the weather's been good. And, you know, I've got a good company here on the radio with you. And I'm just excited about today's program. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's good to be back. I've been out uh, for the last couple Saturdays with some things going on, and uh, Dina did a great job, but it's good to be back in the saddle again. Yeah, well, you, what did you do? Where did you go? Oh, I was out of town a little bit, Chris. Just in enjoying Undisclosed it. location. How's yeah. that sound? That sounds, that sounds like a great <laughs> I answer. I think that's always fun. Not just a little vacation. That's fine. Good for you. So, yep, yep, absolutely. Good to be back home, but it's also good to be on vacation, too, every once in a while. So, yeah, well, yeah. good morning, everyone. Recharge. Welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Boy, you know, each, each week we, we try and start off uh, with a little bit of market commentary, then we'll move into some phone calls and... and um, some subject matter that we want to talk about today, and sort of the beginning of the end here, you know, the United Kingdom's formally began the process of withdrawing from the European Union. Brexit. This past week, that's correct. They got a two-year negotiation period to iron everything out. You know, what are they going to do without trade? What are they going to do about borders? Are the borders going to be soft and easily accessible back and forth, or are they going to be, you know, hard blocks and hard stops? You know, what's going to happen to citizens that live inside each country? So a lot of people are going to be stepping up and taking notice of how this all goes and um, see what may come forth in the future. You know, Scotland uh, uh, voted to remain in the EU last June. So we'll we'll see, uh, you know, what what else happens uh, down down the road. So so pe- all eyes are going to be on this uh, going forward. So well, economically for travel and for everything else for us from the United States perspective, how does that really really affect us? What are we looking for? What are we watching for? From a travel standpoint, really non-issue, Chris. You know, as as the dollar has strengthened, you know, our our money buys more goods and services overseas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from that standpoint, it's not, not a big issue at all. Uh, you know, what, one of the things that you really, you know, as, as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, our dollar will continue to strengthen. Um, 
you know, which which talks about international investing too. You know, international has has been doing pretty well this year so far for those people that that believe in diversification, which is good. Your your last year, your international sleeve of your portfolios didn't do so well, whereas this year, that's uh, one of the leaders in 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 the market so far this year. And that's simply if you're investing in the right place internationally, where they're exporting to the U.S. So we're buying more and more of their of their goods right now. So you know it's a it's a balance, and and that that goes into some of the things that that uh, the Trump administration is talking about with mm-hmm. you know their their policies and things like that. You know there was a little setback in the ACA uh, Obamacare uh, stuff the other day. Now now the administration is going to be looking at you know what are they going to do with with tax and trade and different things like that. Are they going to play it safe or try and hit hit home runs with it all? So you know some people are saying. You know this comprehensive tax ref, 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 uh, reform that they wanted to, to try and do may be a smaller type of a program. So we'll we'll have to wait and see what what's happening with all this. this is just like what I've been telling people. You know, let's wait and see how it all plays out um, in all these different scenarios. There definitely more pro growth policies than in the past than in the recent past. But at the same time, you need to see how things play out when it all comes to all of this tax and spend and things like that. So the good news is that fourth quarter GDP uh, was revised up to 2.1% from an earlier reading of 1.9, which is very good. And corporate profits were showing very, very healthy growth rates at 9.3%. Basically, at breaking it all down here, looking at the, the, the stock market, where it is and what's happening you know the the corp, people buy stock, Chris, based off of the future anticipated earnings of a corporation. And when you see a corporation whose earnings are going to be going up, you want to buy their stock. Hence, the price will probably most likely go up. No guarantees, but at the same time, when you see corporate earnings coming out of an earnings recession we've had for the last seven quarters, that's what's been triggering the market going up. And then some of the administration's new administration's pro-growth policies have been sort of an accelerant on top of that so today's april 1st right april fool's day okay i'm waiting i'm waiting yeah there you go i i I had a little joke ready for you this morning but but uh i I forgot to do it there i was gonna pretend my mic didn't work at the beginning of the show so i forgot to do it that would have been great see what facial expressions you gave me so um so you know moving into april and may we're gonna be we're gonna very interested all eyes will be on wall street to see pretty much what um uh, corporate earnings are being reported in the first quarter, January, February, March. So. How do you get on that on board that train early? When you, you or when to get on on board that train? When you, you when what kind of studies go into those corporate earnings so that you can you can get a piece of that first, or at least early? Well, there's all types of estimates out there. You know, when 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 you take a look at it all, and you know, if you if you're looking at the overall market or if you're looking at at individual stocks, individual companies, it just depends. You know, you know, take XYZ company. If you follow them regularly, and you're 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 listening to analysts and you're and you're watching their numbers and and, and all that kind of stuff, you can sort of estimate what their earnings will look like. Mm. Uh, but you know, most people just pay attention to the overall broader market. You know, how are the earnings doing? The and we'll, we're going to start getting. Yep, we're going to start getting those reports week after next. Mm. And, and, you know, they'll be coming through in a large, large way. So, But it's anticipated to continue to remain strong, which is, which is going to bode well for the markets. Uh, and, you know, then we'll turn around and see what happens with, with, with the Fed. Wa- wages are starting to rise finally here mm-hmm. over the last several years. They really haven't been that strong. 
and we're starting to see wages rise a little bit, which is reinflating the economy. Hence, the Fed's going to probably continue to raise. I think we may get another two raises this year uh, of interest rates moving up. So people see a lot work. more jobs that seem to be opening up as well. It seems like that's are- correct. Job numbers are looking even better. That, that you know, we're starting to see more and more expansion. Actual employment uh, versus that some some of those numbers that were a little bit you know dicey with the people that were underemployed or you know just had quit looking for jobs. It seems like now they are getting back in. Correct, correct. So, you know, positive news there going forward. Pretty optimistic here. You know, the, the threat of recession is, is uh, very, very low. So, so things look to be good. Maintain, make sure you stay diversified. Make sure you continue to, to keep your eye on things. You know, one of the questions that I've been getting a lot of, we'll, 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 we'll do this real quick here, and then we'll take, the, we'll take that break, Chris. But one of the questions I've been getting a lot of the last few weeks from, from clients as well as from other financial advisors is, you know, hey, are, are we in a bubble? The market's high. What's going to happen? Is, is the market going to pull back and things like that? And you stop and you take a look at the underlying economy. The economy is either expanding or it's contracting. And when the economy is ex- expanding the way it is now, you do have pullbacks from time to time. Matter of fact, we've had seven substantial pullbacks from 2010 through 2016. Some of them at as much as 19%, some of them 7 8 10%, those types of pullbacks. And they're basically due to circumstantially distressed data, not structurally distressed economic activity. You know, so, so like the Brexit or the taper tantrum or, or, or different things like that over the last several years that has pulled the market back. So that is a natural, normal thing. We will have dips, and then you have to find out exactly what happened, what was the triggering event of that particular dip, and then make your decisions going forward. But overall, if the economy is still expanding, you, you probably just want to wait through those times. a good opportunity during dips to, to uh, uh, rebalance your portfolio or even add to it as well. So, hey, we're going to take a quick break here. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Listen to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org.
You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in and talk to Larry Rosenthal, you can do so right now at 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. You know, Larry, you were talking uh, during the break there a little bit about uh, the baseball action happening here. Are you going to sing to us here this morning? Take me out to the ball game. That's a great song. No, I can sing, but everybody turn off their radio. That's for sure. Take me out to the ball game. I love that song. It's always a lot of fun. It so, is. Yeah. It is. You know, so opening day here coming up uh, this weekend. Yeah. It's baseball season. Yeah, absolutely. Very excited. What's Very your excited. What's your prognostication this year? Uh, huh? What's your prognostication for the for the Nationals this year? I think we'll see postseason again. There you go. I'm hoping we go deep into it. So hopefully awesome. we'll, we'll bring a championship home to the district. So it would be very, very good. It would be. would be, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you go to a lot of games? Are you a baseball fan, or, or what's your story? You know, I'm getting there. Um, I've not been a baseball fan, not big of a baseball fan in the, in the past, but I'm, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to warm up to it a little bit. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's a lot of it's fun. It's a good family activity to go out to a ball game. I mean, everybody it ought is. to do it. In the, it is. You, know, you end up with time. a good hot dog, too. <laughs> good is, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, but a lot of baseball parks, they're getting all kinds of gourmet foods and different things in there. It's a whole different experience these days. Yeah. Now, I do enjoy going to a hockey game now and again. They've got some good hockey games downtown. That's fun, too. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, it's always fun to go to. Sp- uh, most of the time, it's fun to go to sporting good, sport- sporting events. Yeah, it is. It is. I agree. I like it. Yep. So, yeah. hey, one of the things I want to talk about today is the debt ceiling. Wow, the debt ceiling for the U.S. government is is uh, making its ways again into the the uh, the press. And um, uh, just the other day on March fifteenth, it sort of just slid on by. Where you know we're we're bumping up against the debt ceiling again here, which could suspend investment into the government TSP fund in the G fund. Uh, because of the interest earnings there, so there, there's no worries that it's still solid, it's still good distributions, interest crediting, everything's still going to be there. Uh, but they're j- they just may have to suspend uh, putting dollars in there until they get their act together again and raise the debt ceiling again. You know, the, the, there's two main categories of federal debt. This is what people don't understand. There's two main categories of federal debt. And, and what the first one is funds that are borrowed, the funds the government borrows primarily through, you know, treasury bills, uh, individual corporations, state, local governments, foreign governments. Uh, these, these are people buying treasury bonds, you know, so, so, so they're borrowing money that way. The second one is funds borrowed from government accounts such as Social Security, Medicare, civil service, retirement trust funds, and things like that. They're all, you know, those are the two – Two main categories of, of federal debt when it when it when it comes sounds to a lot like robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's what it sounds. There's like. a little bit of that going on. Maybe sometimes you never know, though, right? <laughs> but 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 at the end of the day, the 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 debt ceiling. You know, you you, you want to keep control on it for sure, but they they also have to to raise it in order to meet some of the obligations. And and when you when you when you take a look back since 1960, Congress has addressed the debt ceiling 78 different times, okay, uh, and and they end up keep pushing it up, pushing it up. So so one of the, the the famous statements is, you know, we need to grow our way out of it, and that's correct. We do need to grow our way out of the debt ceiling, and and or, or out of debt, and with some good positive growth in GDP. 
hopefully over the next handful of years, we could actually see some of it uh, curtailed down a little bit. But anyway, you'll, you will you didn't see that much talk about it this, this time around because of Congress was focusing on uh, some repealing of, of uh, the ACH program yeah. and, and different things like that. But that is in play now, so they we should see them – uh, do, doing this. Well, we've uh, heard, we've heard about soon. that. We've also heard a lot about the sequestration and some of that happening downtown as well. And uh, the new administration talking about getting rid of that as well as making it sort of an automatic thing with the debt ceiling. I wonder if that's going to happen. We'll see if that's good for the country or not. Yeah, we'll have to see. You know, stop stop and take a look at it and, you know, pretty much go from there. Hey, we got some callers calling in asking for our financial planning toolkits, which we give out. We've given out thousands of these things over the years. If you'd like to get a uh, copy of our financial planning toolkit, feel free. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. If you have any questions for me live here on the air, give us a call at 855-ROSE-123-855-767-3123. Uh, to reach me live here in the studio with any of your financial planning or investment type questions. One of the things I want to talk about today, Chris, is is it, it's it's kind of new. It's it's it, within the last handful of years, it's it's starting to catch some some traction, and that is something called factor based investing. <laughs> factor based investing. Uh, some people call it smart beta. Some people call it alternative to equally weighted market uh, uh, programs. But it, the the broad term is called factor-based investing. So so here's the scenario. Let's suppose you, you, you buy the typical garden variety S&P 500 mutual fund or ETF. Mm-hmm. Those are usually um, weighted based off of the market capitalization. What's that? Well, market capitalization is you take the number of outstanding shares of a corporation and multiply it by its price, and that's how big the company is, right? Huh, okay. So so what you end up having is is you may have the, the 10 largest companies in the S&P 500 accounting for 18, maybe 20% of the index, as opposed to having it spread equally where you have, you know, 2% in, in – all 500 companies in the S&P 500 index. Mm-hmm. So there's an equal weight, and then there's a market cap weight, okay? And and both of them do different ways to, to perform each year, you know? So so if, if, if you're in a market weight S&P 500 fund and the largest companies are doing very, very well, you're going to do well. On the other hand, if you're in an equally weighted fund and the largest companies, uh-huh. you know, are 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 yeah exactly i'm sorry it's it's the opposite it's the opposite effect there i got got stuck for a second if you're in an equally weighted fund okay um and the overall index isn't doing all that well that that particular year no matter what index it may be then you might want to go well you know these other funds these other stocks were actually doing better so so it's sort of a mix and a match so my point is that that we're starting to see more and more momentum in the in the marketplace out there on on what we call factor based investing or they call them smart beta funds or or smart beta ETFs or or strategic factor based investing sounds like you got to crunch the numbers to know which is the best investment is what it sounds like that's my point so so here you go so so some factors that that people might consider in a smart beta ETF or smart beta mutual fund is now again these are designed to outpace the market they're designed to beat the overall market okay so so but it's sort of still a guessing game 
for example, some of them may say, you know what, we're going to consider building this mutual fund based off, or, or this ETF, either way, based off of momentum, or maybe based off of risk, or based off of volatility, or price-to-book value, or dividend growth, or yields, or earnings, or cash flow. Just all different ways that they can go about saying, all right, we're going to put out of these 500 companies that we have the choice to be in in the S&P 500, we're going to weight our particular product, our particular ETF, based off of price-to-book value or price-to-earnings or whatever it may be. And they're going to restructure it that way. So if you take a typical market-based market cap ETF, which has – you know, the 10 largest funds making up 18% of the index there. Now you might have lots of smaller S&P 500 companies making up the lion's share of that particular ETF offering. Mm-hmm. So it's a different way to go about doing it. And what's neat about it is, is if you hit these types of, of performance things right, you know, you do get excess returns in the marketplace. I've got a chart here in front of me. This thing was uh, tested, you know, back to 1967 through September of 2015 and momentum weighting uh, carried, a, you know, almost a 4% increase over the market during that period of time. The problem is, is year by year, not knowing which one of these five different things are going to really outperform. And they all do at different times. Do you see what I mean? Mm. So so it's kind of a very interesting way to, to, to go about taking a look at it. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment. Let's welcome Maxine on the line from the district. Good morning, Maxine. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Well, I have a 457B retirement plan, and I'm pretty much near retirement. I mean, I can go anywhere from now to another five or six years. Um, but right now with the plan, and it's an investment through district government, um, I have about 40% in bonds, maybe 26% in stocks, and the other 34% in mutual funds. So it's pretty diversified. However, the bonds aren't doing very well, and I think it's the D.C. Plus Stability Fund. Should I be looking to move some of the money out of the bonds and maybe back into stocks? Possibly, Maxine. So here's the story when you're talking about the garden variety retirement plans and bonds. Bonds have have sort of the, – the risk on bonds is interest rates, and bonds have sort of two sides to the story. Some bonds have interest rate risk, and some bonds have credit risk. Let's talk about interest rate risk bonds first. These are your typical government bonds, corporate bonds. As interest rates go up, bond prices go down, okay? So if the bonds that you're invested in in your retirement plan – have interest rate sensitivity to them. The The term is called duration, duration risk, meaning that if interest rates go up, bond prices go down, versus if interest rates go down, those bond prices go up. That's the first thing I need you to check in your bond portfolios, in your mutual funds, and in your retirement plan. Chances are that's what you have. The okay. other side of the street is credit-sensitive bonds. In other words, there are bonds out there that actually do better when interest rates go up. The risk there is if the economy starts to contract, those bonds won't do well. So during a rising interest rate environment, you may want to look to have bonds in credit-sensitive areas versus interest rate-sensitive areas. 
Okay. So we, we are in a rising interest rate cycle right now. The Fed right. just raised recently. They're probably going to raise a couple of more times this year. Who knows, one, two, three, whatever it may be. But we are definitely in a raise, right, rising rate environment. So bonds that have sensitivity to interest rates are not going to do well during this period of time. Okay. And, and that's just the bottom line there. So I would need to look inside the different mutual funds inside your four, your 457 plan to see exactly what type of bonds you have in there and see what some alternatives may be. If Whether you, they're credit sensitive or interest rate. Perfect. That's exactly okay. correct. That's exactly right. If you like, I'll put you on hold and I'll have somebody reach out to you uh, this week and we can sort of step you through that and take a look and, and help you move through the different fund offerings if you want. Sure. I appreciate it. Okay, let me put you on hold, Maxine, and Josh will get some information. We'll have someone give you a ring this week. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the, the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494, or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703 703- 201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. With Larry Rosenthal, a baseball fan himself. Got your little baseball music there. Now right? we're talking, Chris. There <laughs> okay. you go. We're gonna have to keep that playing all summer, all season long. How's that sound? <laughs> all right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, absolutely. So, hey, let's shoot on over to Crystal City and welcome Sharon on the line. Come on, still, I think he's still uh, grabbing her call. Got to put her on, her put on hold. We'll <laughs> okay. pick her up there. All right, eight five five seven six seven three one two three. If you'd like to talk to Larry Rosenthal, that's eight five five Rose one two three. And if you'd like to uh, also get that financial planning toolkit, Larry, how do we do that? How do we, how do we go about Just simply that? give us a ring uh, eight, uh, or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and we'll be happy to send you on out the uh, financial planning toolkit. Again, it's, it's going to draw a line in the sand, and it's basically going to say, you know, hey, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road and start showing you how to build out a financial plan? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in just a few minutes. Let's welcome Sharon on the line. Good morning, Sharon. How are you today? Good morning. How can I Thank help you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can I help you? 
Yes, I had a question in reference to, I'm going to be um, thinking about anyway, a uh, high uh, probability that it will happen that I'm going to retire from federal government. And I got a couple of um, high balance credit cards. So I was wondering if, uh, do you recommend me take out a consolidated loan to p try to pay off those credit cards? Or also what I was thinking was uh, when I retire next year, part of my TSP to use uh, some of that to pay off the credit card. What, what do you advise? Sharon, here's the deal. If you're going to retire, what we need to do is we need to make sure that your income that's going to be coming in post-retirement is sufficient enough to, to maintain your standard of living or get as close as we can to that. So it depends on what your debt service is in these credit cards. You know, if, if you owe $1,000 on a credit card, as an example, and you need to pull money out of your TSP to pay that $1,000, you're going to have to pull out about $1,400 so that after tax you have that $1,000 to pay. So that's an expensive proposition by itself. So it all is going to boil down to how your cash flow looks. I absolutely want you to retire the debt, no doubt about that. But I don't want you to retire the debt if you're going to jeopardize the majority of your savings. So we need to look at a cash flow model on, 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 on all of it is. For example, if you're, let's suppose your pension and Social Security or whatever you, you have coming in, let's suppose it's going to equal, let's say, $3,000 a month and your debt service is $1,000 a month. You know, we, 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 have to, we have to balance all this stuff out to, to it all, really. So... Um, a, a consolidation loan could definitely save you cash flow each month. A home equity loan, also, you would be able to pull money out of your house to pay off the credit card debt, and now the interest may be tax deductible as you're paying back yourself to your house. Um, because remember, money that's sitting inside your retirement plan, it's earning compound interest as the markets continue to go up, as the investments go up. But if you were to borrow money out of your home to pay off the credit card, you'll be paying yourself back, plus the interest may be tax deductible, and you're not losing an opportunity cost because money inside your home doesn't provide a rate of return. It's not earning interest. It just goes up or down based off the value of your home. So that's another way to take a look at, at this as well. That's actually called an equity exchange program where you're exchanging uh, bad non-deductible debt, consumer debt for good tax-deductible debt through your through your home loan. There, so <clears throat> two or three different choices. I, I I would recommend for you to taking a look at. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. It does. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So, if you like, I'll I'll be happy to uh, have someone give you a ring next week and sort of step you through the details. You don't want to get too detailed on the radio, but but uh, we can have someone give you a call and sort of step you through all that if you like. Okay. I, I would. That would be great. Thank you so much. All right. Let me go ahead and put you on hold, and Josh will get some information. We'll have someone give you a call next week. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Go ahead and give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. With any of your investment or financial planning questions that you have in mind, give us a call, whether it's estate planning, insurances, uh, cash flow, uh, mortgages, whatever it may be. You know, Speaking of mortgages, I was reading something earlier earlier this morning, actually sitting here in the studio, about some advantages of a biweekly mortgage. These don't come up too often anymore. And, and you know, there's three different ways to go about paying off your mortgage early. One of them is a biweekly payment plan. Another one is a 15-year loan. 
uh, versus a 30-year loan, obviously, right? And then another one is just sort of firing the money in. It's it's called a uh, um, mortgage endowment plan. So let's talk about a, a, a biweekly payment plan real quick here. It's something you can do by yourself. There are companies out there that actually charge you a monthly fee to do this, and you don't need to do that. You just simply, you know, right now, typical person sends in 12 payments a year, right? A biweekly mortgage payment plan just divides your payment in half, and you send it in every two weeks. Basically, let's suppose that your mortgage is $1,000 a month, just to do math easy. So now every two weeks, you would send in $500. But you'd be doing that 26 times a year. You'd be cramming 13 months of payments into a 12-month calendar period of time. If you take a typical 30-year mortgage, you're actually going to be able to pay it off in about 21 years simply by doing that, by taking one extra payment a year and putting it into the mortgage. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of that, but but that is one way that you can go about doing it. Now, the trick here is that you want to do this yourself, in my opinion, rather than having a company sign you up to do it because they charge you a pretty good fee each each pay period in order or each every biweekly uh, mode in, in order to do that. You don't need to do that yourself. You can simply do that. Uh, you don't need them to do that for you. You can do it yourself, basically. Another way is to do what's called a mortgage endowment plan. Instead of sending the money in every other week, 50% of your mortgage payment, you simply take that extra bit and put it into maybe a conservative fund or even the bank account, somewhere where it's getting compound interest. Then you'll be able to pull that money out somewhere down the road and pay the mortgage off a little bit early as well. But this way you're going to be gaining a higher tax deduction all along the way because you're not actually retiring the mortgage and your tax deduction as you do it. There's so so much wrapped up into mortgages, aren't there? There are. There are. You know, real estate's a very good investment if you understand how to make it work in your best interest when it comes down to all that with the taxes and depreciation, if it's a rental or if it's your primary home, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. Do you have a, a document or some information about the ways to handle equity in a home? I know you talked about it before. It'd be a great opportunity for somebody to get a hold of that as well. Sure, Chris. There's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home, you know, and, and um, uh, we actually had somebody calling in a few weeks ago asking about that. Indeed, so, yeah. Yep, yep, definitely you, you can very easily do that. You know, and, and, and when you stop and you take a look at it, our properties, most people's properties are one of their largest assets that they own. You know, how do you manage it? How do you pass it on? How do you maximize it? What's your, what's your game plan moving into your retirement years with your home? What do you want to do? There's some real gotchas there, too, that you can, you can mess it up if you don't do it right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. So, hey, I want to talk a little, little, little bit about some choices people have when it comes to retirement and looking at their pensions. I was working with a client earlier this week, and then I came across an article by uh, Broadridge uh, Advisor Solutions this week as well talk, talking about this. And, you know, a lot of people have these these cash balance plans where they're able to uh, either receive a pension income or they're able to cash it out and roll it over to an IRA. Hmm, what's the best thing? Pros and cons. And, and, and I want to identify how you go about making this type of selection, okay? You know, on one hand, if you, if you stop and you say, hey, you know what? 
I, I have a pension, and it's going to pay me X dollars per, per month for the rest of my life. And if I want, I can take a little bit less and I can protect my spouse and then him or her should should the primary retiree pass, then their surviving spouse will also get payments either 100 percent or 75 or 50 percent or 25, whatever it may be for the rest of his or her life. That sounds great, doesn't it? That's a great way to go about doing it. It takes the market risk out of everything. You don't have to worry about it all. Uh, on the other hand, if you take the lump sum option and you roll your pension over into an IRA, now you're controlling the investment decisions on this. And one of the scenarios there is you can probably pull almost the same amount of money out each month. And then if something were to happen to you, uh, obviously the, the income would continue to your surviving spouse. But here's the gotcha in this. If Something happens to both of you early in retirement. Let's suppose you you decide, I'm not going to roll my pension over. I'm going to take my pension income rather than roll the lump sum over. And you you say, all right, I'm I'm, I'm doing it. That way I don't have to worry about stuff. I've got my income coming in no matter what. And that's true. That's fact and indisputable. But if something happens to both you and your spouse early in retirement, there's thousands, if not tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars could be left on the table that your family is never going to get. You know, if somebody retires at 65 and then, God forbid, there's something happens to both of them a, a few years later, all that money's left on the table. Mm, mm, mm. On the other hand, if you roll the money over into your own IRA and take the lump sum and then start pulling income out of it then, and then something happens to both of you early in retirement, that entire balance, that whole pension that you've worked your entire life for now can go pass on to your heirs you or go. even to a charity. So the question becomes then, do you want to to try and and maximize for yourself and your spouse and your family the pension you've worked so hard all of your life for, but now you've got this pile of money you've got to figure out what to do with, right? You don't want to just half-heartedly throw it into the market and, and what happens if you lose it, right? You don't want to do that. So now you have to make some wise investment decisions take as much risk off the table as possible, possibly put it in a place that doesn't have market risk, okay? So so there's lots of different choices in, involved with this, and this is one of your, you and your your spouse and your family's largest financial decisions. I thought it was interesting to, to talk about this because I was just speaking with a, with a client about it earlier this week. And, and, and when you stop and you take a look at all the different scenarios, you know, the retiree passing early in retirement and the surviving spouse living – uh, to life expectancy, or vice versa, the surviving spouse passing. You know, another another problem with a lot of pension selections is, is let's suppose the retiree says, "All right, I'm going to get two thousand dollars a month for life," but wait a minute, if something happens, I want to protect my spouse, so now I'm going to get maybe sixteen hundred dollars a month for life. But if I pass, my spouse gets the sixteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. For life. That sounds pretty good, but what happens if the reverse happens? What happens if your spouse passes and now forever you're you're getting $1600 a month instead of the original 2000? So now you're actually paying for a benefit that you will never ever realize. Ouch. Exactly. So there's there's four or five different scenarios that you really have to spreadsheet out and take a good solid look at it all. Are there tools or or, or things that you can purchase that will offset that? Um, what do you mean, tools to offer? Well, I don't know, that. some sort you of mean, life help insurance you, help you weigh through right. the decision on this, right? Yeah, well, well, 
you, you know, you just sort of have to spreadsheet it all and, and, and look at it and run through different scenarios. And but someone like yourself who knows all the ins and outs of it can walk you through Correct. It. It's yeah. a big, big financial decision, and, and, and it's different for everyone. You know, it depends where, what weighs more, the you wanting the maximum income and not worried about anybody else in your family, or you wanting to protect your spouse and your kids as much as you want. You know, so so you really have to stop and, and weigh all those scenarios. But yes, Chris, life insurance can play a role in this. For example, if you take the, the what we call the high option, let's suppose the, the pension is offered at two thousand dollars a month and then you're not gonna protect your spouse at all, something happens to you, then the spouse gets nothing, you can purchase life insurance so that Which was the life offset insurance that, yeah. yeah, will come in and then your spouse can be able to pull some income off of the life insurance proceeds that would have given the normal the the regular pensionable benefit uh, back to him or her so again that's another selection that you brought up here that that people can really look at as well but in in taking a look at the overall scenario there a lot of people have these pensions and you really need to really need to take a good look at it so uh, it's it's important and it can be a very big financial uh, windfall for for the family especially if you roll it over into your own IRA and then you have the uh, proceeds there if you manage them properly as well as being able to pass them on to your heirs. So very, very good information there. If you want some of that information, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123 or go to my website, LarryRosenthal.com, and shoot me off an email. Let's uh, keep the phone lines open. Give us a call, 855-767-3123, 855-767-3123, to reach me here with any of your financial planning or investment questions, estate planning, real estate, whatever it may be. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. you listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller your loan is already pre-approved and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan first pre-approved certificate, 571-490-7117, or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan first certificate. Call Troy Turow at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117. Troy Turow and McLean Mortgage Corporations, NMLS number 5618 and 99665.
show Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, we've got a phone number here for you. It is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. To talk to our financial and retirement expert here in the studio, Larry Rosenthal. Let's welcome Frank on the line. Good morning, Frank. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Larry. Uh, doing fine. Hope you're doing well. Uh, I actually called last week, and I wanted to get a little bit of a uh, clarification or maybe a little bit more on this question of we know the market's going to turn. So when it turns, uh, where is a good place to put some of the some of the profits that we have made? And I'm talking about an IRA. I'm talking about mutual funds. What's a good mutual fund? Or talk about contrarian investing so that uh, is there some way to, you know, not lose everything that we're gaining now? Is there a good way to, you know, to protect some of the some of our, our gains by uh, more shrewdly investing. I'm not talking about throwing everything into, you know, gold or something like that, but it, it, can you talk about contrarian investing maybe a little bit and how we might do that? Sure, Frank. I mean, there's there's funds out there that are that are designed to to do exactly what you're talking about. They're contrarian investment funds. But but on a bigger picture here, you're talking about protecting the profits that you just made, right? Oh, I think he hung up there. Yeah, I we lost him there. The answer. Yep. So, so if you're talking about protecting the profits that that we just made, there's a handful of different systems that that comes to mind about that. One of them, let's just start and talk about chopping the bottom and the top off the markets, and and that would take a look at the overall construction of your portfolio. In other words, the take a look at what we call a measurement of called beta. The market has a, 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 a risk number, and they call it beta, and the risk number is 1.00. So if you take a look at, at the market going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, that has a measurement of 1.00. When we build your portfolio, we take a look at all of your holdings inside of it, and we see that you have a beta of 1.1. That means you're 10% more risky than the market. So as the market goes up, you're going to go up higher. On the other hand, when the market comes down, you're going to come down a lot lower. That's what he's talking about here is how do I protect that? So we want to get what we call upside and downside capture. So we want to build a portfolio that says, you know what, maybe my beta is 0.85. So you're 15% less risky than the market. So the first measurement is when the market goes up, you'll go up not as high. When the market comes down, you'll drop down but not as low. The next scenario there is can we put little triggers or, or little uh, spices, if you will, inside the portfolio that gives you a little bit better upside capture versus downside capture, meaning that if the market goes up, you might capture, let's say, 92% of the upside, whereas if the market goes down, you might only capture, let's say, um, I don't know, you're capturing 92% of the upside when the market goes up. Maybe on the downside, you're only capturing maybe 80% of the downside. In other words, when the market drops, you're not dropping as far as the market goes. So so that's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is to simply in, – in, in, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from where I think the caller was going, which was, well, when the market turns, quote-unquote, where do we re-put all of our money? 
that's market timing, and that's not going to be a profitable thing, getting in and out of the market all the time. Another way is to just put what we would call a little bit of insurance-type programs on your portfolio, and that is basically buying puts. So if you're invested, you look at your portfolios, and if most of it's invested behind the scenes in, let's say, the S&P 500, then you would constantly be buying something each quarter that makes money if the S&P 500 goes down, and that's called a put-writing strategy. So there's, there's a handful of different ways to do it, but the best way, the most efficient way over time is to have the proper construction inside the portfolio. So let's shoot on over to Silver Spring and welcome Elizabeth on the line. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you today? Yes, good morning. I'm okay. How can I help you today? Yes, um, Ms. Larry, how are you? Um, my question for you this morning is um, my husband and I, we had a previous home that um, uh, 30-year mortgage, um, but we've been – he had it. We he had it prior to me. Uh, we get a marriage. Um, so right now the home is about we're in debt for one fifty, and uh, we moved to a new home which which we're in debt for five five or nine. Um, so but the thing is we have not saved no money uh, for our son who is seven uh, in terms of college and. Um, so my husband and I, my husband was thinking to sell that home and um, to use that to pay for my son's tuition. And I was, we are not in agreement with that because I think we should not sell that home. We should just have it rented and, um, um, you know, use that rent to pay his son's tuition once it's paid off. Um, but so far, I know we have nothing saved for him. I mean, we have a little bit of saving, but nothing saved for him in terms of his um, college. So my advice is, what can we do at this point? So you, we need to sit down, basically, Elizabeth, and, and take a look at, at, at everything together. I, um, you were breaking up a little bit there in my ears on the phone call, but I gather that you have a rental property, did you say? Yes, yes, and a home that we're leaving, yes. Okay, so... But the rental property is not bringing no income. It's just paying the mortgage, literally. Okay, so if the if the rental properties break even, then how much equity is inside the rental property? Uh, right now, it's about $60,000. Okay, so one of the one of the scenarios is, is if you took a look at selling the rental property after the cost to sell it in taxes... How much would you net out? Is that going to be enough to put into a college funding plan for your seven-year-old son to get him through college? On the other hand, what's going to happen now is if the rental property continues to be at a break-even cash flow, and one day when you go to reach in and pull some equity out of that rental property, it's going to put you into a negative cash flow while your son's in college. Okay. So that's sort of what we have to model out is what do you think the real estate's going to ultimately end up doing uh, by the time your son gets ready to go down the road uh, to, to, uh, for, for college. So, But take a good look at your, your household budget as well and see if maybe you can open up one of the 529 plans or even take a look. I see you're in Maryland. Even take a look at the Maryland prepaid tuition program. So, you know, the, the, you, have, you have to stop and ask yourself what's the – probability of getting this rental property paid for for you and your husband to be able to have some good cash flow during retirement years 
but at the same time, you also want to want to knock out college funding between now and retirement. So, typical scenario here: need, need to run out a financial plan and, and do some college funding uh, exercises on top of it. I'll put you on hold here, and we'll have somebody reach out to you and talk to you about how to best uh, utilize this and some other strategies for your son's uh, college funding. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. I had some callers on the line here, not for the air, but but uh, they wanted to get uh, our financial planning toolkit and some different things like that. I also have a couple of seminars that's coming up here. going to be at my church in uh, Bristow, Virginia here. It's uh, just outside of Manassas and uh, uh, Chapel Springs, uh, Assembly of God Church. And and, uh, we're going to be doing some Bible-based classes. You can actually call the church at Chapel Springs. Go to their their website, chapelsprings.org. And um, you can see there we've got uh, some uh, estate planning classes and retirement funding classes and all different types of things coming up. Uh, we'll actually put it up here on our website here this 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 coming week. Like a financial we're... university from a spiritual point of view, right? Yeah, it's going to be Bible based money management. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, Chris. Sounds they, like it. They they always are. Yeah, they're lots of fun. So, and one thing about it, there there's usually donuts, so that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. It's always good. <laughs> yep. So, hey, I wanted to talk about some other different investment options here, but we've just got a few minutes left in the show. I'll probably save it for next week. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of Bible-based money management, let's keep it real. Let's understand whose money it is and what our role is with stewardship and things like that, you know. so When you're approaching Bible-based money management, when you're really thinking about that topic and you're looking at your finances, you've got a sort of a – a budget plan that you talk about, you call it the Larry budget. One of the most important things about that budget is starting out in the right place by tithing it, by getting that, giving that money to the Lord who owns it all anyway, right? Absolutely, Chris. There's there's no doubt about it. Once we understand our role in it, you know, and, and money is just like any other thing that if you – if you make it the object, the the goal of, of what you're running around this earth for all the time, it's just, it just never works out. Whether it's a baseball card collection or money or, or you know the you know the best computer stuff, whatever it may be, you know it's 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 all the Lord's anyway, and we need to to treat it that way and and understand it. We need to tithe, we need to save, and we need to pay our taxes pretty simple when it comes to that but the problem is is budgets are stretched so far that's the that's the value that's one of the reasons you need a financial plan to really take a good solid look at everything you know cash flow coming in today versus cash flow going out and then down the road what it takes a look at one of the blind spots that people have when when you're really looking at retirement income planning because chris it is about income i'm telling you it is Mm -hmm. about income when you get down the road to retirement. People don't understand this. I was explaining this to a client earlier this week about his investments. He's doing very, very well. He's in his young 50s uh, or, or early to mid 50s, whatever it is. He's doing very, very well, wants to retire in about eight, 10 years or so. And he's he's really starting to take a good, solid look at this. And one of the things that I was pointing out to him was the three phases of financial planning, accumulation, distribution, and then legacy planning. And and while you're growing your money in the accumulation stage, the investments there are going to be different than the investments you need when you're in the distribution stage. So you have to figure out a way and a timing mechanism to roll your investments over 
and or reposition them, I should say, into investments that give you both growth and income during the retirement years so that you're spending interest earnings and not share values during your retirement years when you're pulling money out. And that's one of the big mistakes that people make because then in down markets during retirement, you can get into a spiral spend down. So you really need to pay attention to that. The rules of money change once you introduce uh, withdrawals to it all. So it's important to understand the difference in, in growth investments versus income investments. Appreciate, appreciate you listening. We'll be back next Saturday with another session of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. So for Josh in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy opening day this week, and I'll stay in line here and uh, answer some phone calls. Uh, people. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.